Hi, and welcome to Deconvergent Therapy. The gang is all here, and the gang is just two. The president of Deconversion Therapy, that's me, Karen. <laughs> the president, and I'm the CEO. This is uh-huh. Bonnie. Damn it. <laughs> I was just going to say the one member. And the member. Um, <laughs> and there's Bonnie. Exactly. Um, and we our really dogs appreciate. Are here, so. <laughs> our, well, for freaking true, our dogs are here. Yeah. We just wanted to say thank you to everyone who listens. And if you're new, to us and someone pointed you here please hit the subscribe button the numbers count we don't know how it's like the southern baptist how many people did you baptize it just matters to people even if they don't like it but i know that you love us and all that and you don't and have if you to can tithe? rate and review no tithing you don't no you do not have to tithe much <laughs> um and on top of that I was just going to bring up, good going, Bonnie. Now we sound terrible. But this episode is thanks to Alice. <laughs> Alice donated to our Venmo, our love offering. Oh, my God, that's so Alice, cute. Alice, we really appreciate it. It helps put more stuff, you know, in our stockpiles of gold that we make our teeth out of. We just, okay. we just um, take this money and throw it on a bed and roll around in it. Yeah, but I said gold, and that okay. made the visuals so uncomfortable. <laughs> ow, ow. I should have said fluffy hundreds. But thank you all for, you know, following us. Our Instagram has been blowing up, um, TikTok, and they're very different. Uh, you'll see me, Karen, more on TikTok, even talking about serious stuff. And then yeah. you'll see just memes and fun stuff. Yeah, let me bust in. Karen, on Instagram. Karen is a shit stirrer on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, I don't feel like I am at all. So but that's how far out I am. <laughs> I know. It really is. <laughs> and I've been seeing a lot of younger people on there in the sort of deconstruction, deconversion, ex-Christian arena. And I keep coming across one person who keeps saying, now, I've never heard this talked about any, this subject talked about from anyone in the deconstruction community. But, and they say something that maybe we've said four years ago, which is fine. It's like totally fine. It's what I love about it is that there's so many new people coming to it and there's so much information now where four years ago, there were so few of us. And if someone said something, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's a Chrissy Stroop saying, that's a this saying. So I just love all the, all the new people yeah, um, and out there. The thing that you posted the other day about purity culture being the reason that this poor young woman showed up to the emergency room with back pain and then oh, delivered yes. a baby. Unbelievable. And so serious. Right. But I just am fascinated with the day-to-days of that. You know, like day yeah. day 30. Uh-oh. You know, and I have I have those dreams still by the way, after that, purity culture, that, that I'm pregnant, pregnant and I've got to figure out mm-hmm. what to do. 
And so... They'll sit on toilet seats. And, yeah. <laughs> and well, they're so strong that, like, every now and then I think, hang on, was that real or is that just a recurring dream that I have over and over again? Where... I haven't had that one much. And what Bonnie's talking about is a 19-year-old girl. I think her last name was Treviso, still is. She was in high school, got pregnant, um, ended up in the emergency room with back pain Mm -hmm. and her mother there. And what I'm thinking is either the baby started crowning and she knew it and felt it. And she got up and went in the hallway and went to the bathroom. Right. And it said for a while, and then she came back out and got back in the bed, and the cleaning people went in right, right. after, and they're like, there's a past baby in yeah. the garbage can. And I'm like, did she go in there and deliver it that quickly on her first baby, or did she pull it out of her? Oh, God. To get... And what about the umbilical cord? I know. Sorry, guys. That's not that's not our but podcast, but I'm just saying... But you are asking the questions that I was asking, but I was asking them, like, in the lead-up, in the run-up. Like, and P.S., if you mm-hmm. know that you're pregnant and you're going to the hospital, why would you bring your fucking mom? You know, so and and there you go. I mean, the purity culture situation with her. I don't think her mom was letting her baby go anywhere without her. I'm going to take care of you. I'm in charge of you. I quote own you. And so oh. when the girl was like, "I'm not pregnant," they're well, there's a baby in there. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not mine, you know, and just. Yeah. Telling her mother still that she had never had sex. Crazy. But absolutely. Yeah, crazy. the back pain thing makes me think did she know? You know? I because don't. Exactly. If, I, don't I know. know. And then, of course, I go to um, the plot line of the first season of Mad Men. And I'm sorry if I'm ruining a 10 year old show for anybody, <laughs> 10 year plus. But um, when Peggy went to, you know, to the hospital, she didn't know she was pregnant. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, I, I have a relative on my husband's side. She didn't know until she went to the bathroom, and she was living at home with her parents. She didn't know. Oh, my gosh. And the parents didn't know, because you can psychologically suppress it, and you can still have periods. You can? And it happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. All of those people still, you know, at least had light periods. Speaking of periods, let me just tell you that I'm reading Jane Fonda's book, and she didn't get her period till she was Uh 16. And I'm sorry if any guys are listening and going, ah, la, 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 don't hear this, don't hear this. But she said she she wanted to be in with the crowd so much that she would pretend that she had the worst cramps of anybody and buy the supplies. (laughs) So, And have no clue what you're talking about. right. Um, back to what we're doing here. Uh, we're starting a cult, etc. Follow us on the social media. We have a Facebook group. We have merch, all those things. I was going to tell you, I did a TikTok a while ago about a group of Christian young people, hundreds, they said it was thousands, marching in the street with Jesus flags 
during Pride Month in Seattle, oh, I yeah, think. You, I remember saying, this. And the saying was, especially during Pride Month, people don't know what real love is. We want them to know it's Jesus. So it was like this countermarch in a very accepting city. And people are, some are appalled, some love it, all that. And I've done some research into the group because people are like, I didn't know we had that many Christians in Seattle. <laughs> so it's actually a, quote, nonprofit traveling revival Oh. Uh, tour, and it has these five guys who are buddies and super young, and they're in charge of it. And I guess they recruit from the local areas, plus maybe tell other churches, you know, hey, travel here with us. So you can go to their website or go to our TikTok, and you're going to see the cities that they're going to be coming to because they're doing one a month. Oh. For quite a while. What a great excuse to travel. Uh, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing, let's see, Portland, Denver, San Francisco, Sacramento. So when you see all these people coming, first of all, it's annoying. <laughs> and guess what? They will not get arrested. They will march and yeah. no one will say anything. And... Also, if if just Muslims did that, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but it's such a social dynamic because they're all, like, the young and cool. Like, if we were in youth group and we were like, let's get together with other churches, you're like, I am ready to see what kind of boys they have <laughs> right. at Second Baptist <laughs> down on East Lakewood, you know. And so— You go, and you do have, like, this excitement for Jesus, and you think you are with social dynamics, helping other people, and people go, look at God's light shining, or whatever the hell. Um, One, they are not. But it's really just kids being excited to be around each other, too. Yeah. You know? There are two things that, like, and it's just like— Church and politics. It's like, oh, great. What an awesome combination. We can also be in church and have politics kind of piggyback onto our message. It's it, it That's mm-hmm. the big one. And then the little one is, oh, let's go, like when we were in youth group, oh, let's go on a tour. And our youth <laughs> our youth pastor in his infinite wisdom will book us to sing at a men's prison. What a great yeah. idea. <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Anything. Because you got to let the light shine. Uh, we sang at an Orioles game. Well, that was pretty cool. Um, I mean, people appreciated us is what I'm saying. Yeah. They needed us. We needed to shine God's light. And look how we changed the world. Okay, so what do you have on on the skillet for today? Okay. That's my new saying. Uh, all right. Because well, you're like, you're going to heat it up and you're going to cook it. What's on the skillet? Cooking with gas. So your husband suggested, hey, why don't you um, do something on Frank Zappa? And when I'm I... I'm glad one of us <laughs> listens to so, so when I was researching Frank Zappa, I was like, oh man, there's not that much funny about 
about him and I was I was like, you know what, I've gotta I've gotta just see what else is out there. And somehow I came across this, which happened when we were, I guess probably maybe young adults. <laughs> so I don't okay. know how old we were. I don't wanna tell anybody either. Um but it was back in the day where there were only three networks. And so I just wanted to, let me just pause right there and say, uh, we'll get to Frank Zappa later because today is not about oh, Frank okay, Zappa. Because okay. I'm like, oh, my God. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Frank Zappa. <laughs> no. So I'm like, tell them who Frank Zappa is. Right. <laughs> so um, back in 1992, and you know, let me just also say, we've talked about music industry workers. I want to call them that because it's so hard to call them artists and musicians but like we've discussed Kanye and Justin Bieber and how they fit into everything so I'm gonna call them music industry Mm -hmm. workers um so this is going back a little bit further to 1992 and just Mm -hmm. as a reminder of what 1992 was like for you it's a reminder for some people it might be first (laughs) And in or like the first time they're hearing this information, um, there was no space, there was no platform for anybody, whether you're not famous or whether you're the most famous person ever, to just vomit out their thoughts on random things whenever they felt like it. Yeah, Ev- that's right. All. No Facebook, Instagram, no. blog, nothing. Nothing. There was no internet. There were only three TV networks. So there was ABC, CBS, mm-hmm. and NBC. So right. the only people who had the power to disseminate anything like instantaneously were those national news broadcasts on the three big networks and they broadcast mm-hmm. the evening news every night. So that was, I don't know if it was live or like taped a half an hour prior, either way. Right. Um, so those yeah. three, um, the president of the U.S. could bust in and ruin a program whenever he felt like it. Always, always starring Melrose Place. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> he knew. He's like, this is the good show. Right. This is where the wedding happens. Okay. And then on yeah. all three networks, you'd be like, oh, is it on NBC? Yep. The president got every network. And, um, yeah. and there was... Yeah, you would always, you'd click. You'd click through praying. and you would find the one... Because the colorization would change right, right. on each one. So he'd look a little grayer, like, do we want to see him with more rooty cheeks or just, yeah. And we we had cable back then, but it was more like um, you'd have cable and it would be TBS from Atlanta coming in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, MTV was there and it was few and far between. So, like, MTV wouldn't have it. But if you were on one of the main networks... That was just that yeah, was the only chance it. of getting anything live, um, right? And there were just no other outlets. Like radio wasn't live and big like that. It was more local based. No. Anyhow, so mm-hmm. I'm saying this just to paint a picture. Um, and then if you were a famous person who wanted to comment on something that was important to you, you couldn't take to TikTok. And go talking about things no. and stirring shit up. You had to wait until somebody from a magazine outlet or a paper came to interview you. 
And exactly. That meant, That's what I was going to say. Someone had to approach you. Yeah. And at that exact time with that exact question. Yeah. Yeah. And if you if you knew you had the the um, the attention of an interviewer, you would you know, you'd think, oh, well, this is what I want to talk about in the interview. And whether they decided to put that in the article they were writing, that was up to them. So you had so many mm-hmm. things kind of holding you down. Um, and um, so the other outlet for being able to say something to everybody watching um, on in, in an instant where it was happening was Saturday Night Live. So that's why oh, yeah. that's why being on live every Saturday was a big ass deal. And to mm-hmm. me the idea that no more shit went down than went down over all those years and still to this day, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I can't That's believe true. nobody's been murdered on air or, you know, <laughs> attacked. Or <laughs> Well, we have seen some careers That's die. Right. <laughs> so, oh, speaking of which, so this is who I'm talking about. In 1992, Sinead O'Connor, who was... Yeah. Blowing up in the world because she did a rendition of the Prince song, Nothing Compares to You, the number two, the letter U. uh, Bonnie is doing some hand gestures. So, so. Too legit to quit. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm going to mention him too. Um, That's terrifying (laughs) that you said that. You'll know why later. Everyone who did hand gestures. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So so it's 1992. She's an Irish singer. And you have to keep in mind Mm -hmm. that she doesn't even call herself an artist. She called herself like a protest singer. But nothing compares Mm -hmm. to you had blown up maybe a year and a half earlier. Um, It was like the number one or number two song of the year here and in England. And the video was just super Mm -hmm. stark. And it was just a close-up on her beautiful face. And she has her head shaved. That's just her thing. Right. And so when she's singing this song, you know, it's not overproduced or anything. It's just... It's just her face. So the video, when it would come on MTV, you'd be like, oh, there it is. <laughs> there's, there's, there's her big face singing this kind of sad-ass yeah. song. Um, go look up the song. Um, but voice as strong as a bell. Like so she had this strong. really good voice. Beautiful mm-hmm. features so that, like, the lack of hair just made her beautiful you know, Irish features and we Irish are yeah. very proud of our features. <laughs> um, yeah, stand yeah. out even more. Yeah. So, okay. So back in 92, she's the musical guest on Saturday night live and she's going to do an acapella version of a Bob Marley song called war. And she was planning this as a protest song against the sexual abuse of children that was happening in the Catholic church. But she didn't... 92? Yeah, 92. See, okay. You're, you're uh, that seeing... That wasn't it. happening then, Bonnie. <laughs> We've only heard about it in the last five years. Well, you're beating me to my point. You're stealing my thunder. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So this was her plan. And... But she didn't tell them that that was her plan. 
So what she told the uh-huh. producers at Saturday Night Live was, oh, um, I am going to be holding up a picture of a starving child. So, yeah, sure, at the end of the song. Um, oh, yeah. And she had asked the producers for the song to be shot with just one camera for dramatic effect. And she had these candles in front of her. So, oh, you know, usually they shoot with a sneaky. few different cameras, like one on your face, a close up, and then a long mm-hmm. shot and one from the side, whatever, so that the people in the booth can go, you know, cut to a long shot of just right. the big stage. But she was like, it's going to be really dramatic, blah, blah, blah. So they said, okay. So, so she's doing her song. It's acapella. It's really dramatic. She's wearing this long white dress, um, and rem- and she's still got the head buzzed and everything. So she's she's singing, and the camera's on her. And at the very end of the song, she pulls out this eight by ten color photo of the Pope. And I was like, I don't know which Pope it is. It's an old white guy, and that doesn't narrow it down. I know. So I, know. I had to look it up. It's all interchangeable. Right. So it was Pope John Paul II. I'm like, oh, oh that's who I picked. Yeah, and that's not half of the Beatles. That's they all get like a John and a Paul <laughs> and a you know, right? It's never Randy, whatever. Um, so she holds but up the picture Randy. of the Pope. And it was apparently, this is really interesting, it was apparently a picture that her mother had in the house, which to me is just creepy enough. Like, I can't imagine us having a picture of our pastor or any religious leader in the house. Yeah, no. But it's back in the day. And I can't imagine taking anything from my parents' house. Yeah. That's what I'm horrified. I don't know that she took the exact picture, but it was like the one. Oh, I thought you meant she took it off the wall. No, but she wanted to rip up the one that her mother had in the house. and uh, Because it was when he had come to visit Ireland. So, um, Mm -hmm. so, So she gets to the end of the song, and she holds up the picture, and she like... And, and rips it in half like three times and says, um, fight the real enemy, and then throws the pieces on the ground. And everything was silent. And so it was really interesting hearing all the different people's takes on what was happening at the show. Um, Paula Pell, who mm-hmm. we know from being in front of the camera now on TV shows like 30 Rock and <laughs> Girls 5 Eva, Um which I love. Yeah. I know. Uh, so she was a writer back then on SNL, and she somewhere was quoted saying, oh, my God, the people in the booth had no idea what to do. Um, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I bet, yeah. Because you just didn't have this kind of drama happening, uh, which is so weird to me because it is live television. Anyway. Um, and they had no camera, too, they- because <laughs> Sinead was so clever. That's right. Oh, my God. I didn't know that part. I, I know. I, I was putting those pieces together today going, that was actually very clever. And she changed the song not too long before the day of the uh, rehearsal and the day Mm -hmm. of, um, or, and, and the live version anyway. So let's see. So Lorne Michaels to, to his credit, um, they didn't use the less, and he is, sorry, Lorne, he's the head of SNL. He's 
Got to talk to. <laughs> Got to talk to the people who might not know who Lorne Michaels is. these heathens <laughs> don't know. So yeah. Lorne Michaels, still the executive producer and showrunner of the right. whole <laughs> the SNL thing. Um, when they air the show on the West Coast three hours later, for the poor people in California, uh-huh. it's recorded. You know, they just they just have to kowtow um. to the East Coast. So... They what they have the option of doing on Saturday Night Live if something really bombs or goes awry or gets messed up technologically, they mm-hmm. can air the version from the dress rehearsal. And so, to oh. his credit, okay. they did not use the less controversial version on the West Coast, which is I think oh good. makes me like him so much more. Um, yeah, yeah. And at one point, he said, you know, what she did was really brave, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, at the end of the show, he didn't even keep her from coming out and show, you know, showing up on the stage with the host, who was Tim Robbins. Um, mm-hmm. They he let her come out on the stage and say good nights to everybody. So, yeah, um, and that was huge back then. I mean, it'd be huge today, to tell the truth. Still, if that happened. It would be he- Fox News would yeah, Fox just News, right. explode. However, um, you know, back in the day when something like that happened on TV, the network would get phone calls. So they got like a thousand mm-hmm. plus phone calls complaining about this because the Catholic Church is a big fucking deal to people. Mm. And yeah, I guess we don't realize how huge they were because we just never had any friends who That's right. first Christian. <laughs> they we had Christian. no reason. They had pictures of their leaders in their homes. Um, so mm-hmm. let's see. So they got thousands of phone calls. When she came out of the studio, something somewhere along the line, I read that she was pelted with eggs by passersby. And I'm thinking, how okay. quickly could those people get their shit together to see her do that and go, I'm going to go bring Mm -hmm. some eggs down to 30 Rockefeller Plaza and hope that I can find where she's coming out, you know, because it's a big place and and hit her with an egg anyway. So I don't know if I believe that one. But the New York Daily News had the whole incident on the cover of the paper the next day and called it holy terror. So it was Uh, a big deal. Someone was (laughs) sitting on that one for a while. Um, so, Next religious thing that comes out, I got right. this great headline. <laughs> so back at Saturday Night Live, the reaction was mixed. And if you remember Phil Hartman, who I loved tremendously. Of course. So funny. Guys, if, if you don't know Phil Hartman, he just had this total straight meteorologist look with the just slyest, best sense of wit Yeah, ever. He was the go-to guy if you needed a spokesperson or anybody with authority um, and so funny. Uh, so on The Late Show with David Letterman, he went on that week and he expressed his displeasure at her having blindsided everyone at the show, which I understand. That's... I get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's not necessarily what it's about, but it's the it's the sneak attack. Um, and mm-hmm. so this, I always, I just love this. So Tim Robbins was the host. And so after 
the song, you know, they go to commercial, then they come back and they had to follow it up with a sketch called um, Sweet Jimmy, the world's nicest pimp. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like, no one ever wants to follow something like that, but uh, that did not go too well. And you know what else is weird? Somewhere I read that... Um, Lorne Michaels had been paying attention all week long to make sure that Tim Robbins, who's a loudmouth with his causes like that too, that Tim Robbins yeah, very was kept wing. in line. Mm-hmm. So like they're looking at Tim Robbins and they don't realize that she's going to be the one to cause all the trouble. Um, let's see. Yep. Okay. So this is and when that happened, it went all over the globe. Like it was huge. It was because and people were because she's Irish, scared. and so yes, it went there. It went here. The Catholic Church got pelted with it. So, um, and to just have her ripping it up, it was oh my gosh. You could see it on YouTube. So crazy mm-hmm. dramatic. Um, uh, let's see. So here it is. The stun. Um, So Lauren called it the bravest possible thing she could do. Um, And she talked about, this is Sinead. Sinead talked about having troubled personal history with child abuse and the systemic cover-up by the church of the sexual abuse by its clergy. Um, And she knew about that firsthand. And It's interesting because it's just like what you said at the beginning, like 92, they weren't having sexual issues, you know, with their (laughs) their clergy. We didn't hear about it. It couldn't have happened. Yeah, Yeah. but she knew it and she was so exhausted with saying something and not having anybody believe her. Um, Mm. So it's. It's, I mean, it's so crazy that it has to start somewhere. And even though it was that big, it didn't really lead to anything. I mean, that movie Spotlight yeah. came out it's so much later. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so so she kind of blew up her career with that move. They canceled Absolutely. gigs of hers all over the place. She got protests against her, death threats. Oh, let's see. There was an anti-Sinead O'Connor Times Square publicity stunt with a bulldozer flattening a pile of her records. Those are vinyl round things for you younger children. <laughs> um, so right. she never she never got big on the American charts again. Hola. That means hello in Espanol. And that's just one of the many things that you can learn from our new sponsor, Babbel's app. Before my family went to Europe to see some family recently, we downloaded different apps to learn Italian. And I actually was getting familiar with the accent and the sound of the language and then added in the vocabulary, and it was perfecto. If you've always wanted to learn a language, now is the time. It only takes 15 minutes a day. You can learn Portuguese because that's where we're going to have our cult when it's time. You can learn Turkish because that's where everybody's going to get plastic surgery these days. So in their language, you can say just a little off the top. I'm proof that it's never too late to learn a new language. Plus, it's really good for the old, you know, gray matter up there. 
Our special link for our followers is right there in the show notes. Just click on that. You're ready to go. Arrivederci. So here's what she said in her own words about it years later. Ahead of the SNL appearance, she had been pissed off for a few weeks um, after finding, this is what kills, she found brief articles buried in the back pages of Irish newspapers about the kids Mm -hmm. who had been ravaged by priests, but whose stories weren't believed by the police or the bishops that their parents reported to. And I mean... She was angry because also she said a man she knew in New York City had confessed to her that he was a drug dealer who had been using children as mules and was expected to be killed by a rival drug dealer. So uh, all sorts of shit she was made aware of Mm -hmm. and she was angry. Oh, and then she also recalled, (laughs) this is great, just to to see like the workings of like how the idea came to her. She said... Irish singer and activist Bob Geldof, which if you don't know him, he was in a group called the Boomtown Rats, but he was the one who created Live Aid. And if you don't know Mm -hmm. what Live Aid is... Is that We Are the World? Is that We Are the World? Is that that one? No. I don't know. All of them got together and they sang songs, but I can't... Oh, that's the one that Freddie Mercury did his great live set. Yeah, Live Aid was the two giant concerts and the the Christmas song, I think. Yeah, Wembley. The Chris... uh, Do they know it's Christmas time? Anyway, so in 1978, when when one of his group's songs overtook... Summer Nights by Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. <laughs> right. He yeah. ripped up a picture of Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta on a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the inspiration for her grand moment came from Greece. <laughs> like, when this guy, That's when this guy's song overtook theirs. I just love that. So she wrote in her, her uh, memoir, My intention had always been to destroy my mother's photo of the Pope. It represented lies and liars and abuse. So back to the whole idea that she doesn't have any platform to explain anything mm-hmm. afterward. <laughs> right. She, like maybe, maybe a month and a half later, she released an open letter uh, linking her being abused as a child to the history of my people and charging the Catholic Church has controlled us by controlling education through their teachings on mm-hmm. sexuality, marriage, birth control, and abortion, and most spectacularly through the lies they taught us with their history books. Um The letter concluded, my story is the story of countless millions of children whose families and nations were torn apart for money in the name of Jesus Christ. Like, wow! it's always the same shit. It's always the same story that you and I keep telling. So, all right. So back on a little bit of a lighter note, here's some reaction of some other famous people to her stunt. And let me just say that years later, these bully Italian guys were on the wrong side of history with what they said. Again, you know, white guys. The next week on Saturday Night Live, the host was Joe Pesci. You know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. He was in Goodfellas and um, what's the one with Marissa Tomei? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's got the whole Italian, like, mobster kind of thing happening. So he comes on. 
And in his monologue, he said he asked somebody to tape back the photo that she ripped up into six pieces. And so, yep, he wanted him to scotch tape it back together. And he held up to the camera the picture and it was scotch taped together. And I'm going to send you a picture Uh of that so you can see what it looks like so that you and I can talk about the rest of the stuff. All right. So here's this. So, Karen, please describe to the viewers the photo that I just sent you. All right. It's of a Pope. (laughs) He's Uh, an old white guy, people. (laughs) Of course. He's an old white guy, and there's still a big, you know, piece missing from it. That's... I can't tell it's scotch tape. Oh, well, maybe they scotch taped it on the back. Okay, so I'm excited because we didn't plan this, but yes, there's a little triangular piece on the top left that's missing. And so I guess you don't Mm -hmm. know your trivia, but do you know who you love who was on SNL at the time who has that triangular piece? David Spade. Yep. (laughs) He said... Wow. He said he was like watching it go down and he saw all the pieces on the ground and he scampered over and grabbed one thinking, oh, I've got a piece of history. Oh my gosh. Yep. So, um, so... That's just a fun aside. So uh, Frank Sinatra. That guy. That guy. <laughs> so, okay. So Joe Pesci, though. Let's see. Yeah. What was his, like, I don't agree with that, and now I am going to be unoriginal, yet get screen time, and hopefully as many articles by showing it stuck back together? No. His, his take on it was... In the monologue, he holds it up to the camera and says, that's better. And then he says, I think that's a lot better. She's lucky it wasn't his show, because if it was my show, I would have gave her such a smack. I would have grabbed her by her eyebrows, because she doesn't have any hair. So he would have beaten up a lady. Because that's not right, I because it's his like this. Pope. I know. I don't like it either. All right. And wow. with his, you know. And I mean, that goes back to what she's saying. A white guy who thinks he can do anything, including physically do something to a woman. Fantastic. Yep. Including. Joe Pesci, you are now. <laughs> dead to me. Of me of mine and of mine an enemy. Yep. And another like mobbed up white guy who was influential at the time, ta- you know, tacked on Andrew his Dice two cents as well. She uh-huh. does. She did one time refuse to perform somewhere because he was on the show, which I kind of think. Andrew Dice Clay, yeah. if you guys don't know. Yeah, yeah I know this, okay. whole, this whole episode is like, and if you didn't know this, and if you didn't know this person. Um, right, right. He was controversial and very misogynist. Anyhow, so at exactly. the time... Frank Sinatra chimed in and said she should have her mm-hmm. ass kicked for that. Ugh. Yeah. Well, he knew how to do that. He knew how women. to treat a lady. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Then a little time after that, uh, Madonna was a musical guest on the show. Her reaction was twofold in in some kind of interview with the Irish Times Madonna and again an interview so 
They yeah. had to have the attention of the person doing the interview. And that's also, and she got all these interviews, Madonna, at the time, because she had been working on and was getting ready to put out this book of erotica. And I think it was just called Sex. The book was yeah, called was. Sex. Yeah. The album was called Erotica. And so it's like a coffee table of her, you know, with a cigarette in her mouth, hitching a ride on the streets of New York with no clothes on. And so right, um, it was a big to-do back then. So she's telling the Irish Times in her interview when asked about the Sinead O'Connor issue, I think there's a better way to present her ideas rather than ripping up an image that means a lot to other people. Um, and then Madonna says, if she's against the Roman Catholic Church and she has a problem with them, I think she should talk about it. I'm like, well, really? Who do you think she's going to um, talk about it with? For God's sake. <laughs> so I think Madonna was really thinking, I wish I had done that first. Because, yeah. Madonna was, and somebody said, like, oh, oh, you know who sadly <laughs> made this comment? Um, Bob Guccione, the, pr- oh gosh, the publisher of, I want to say, Hustler? Is he the hustler? Okay. Anyway, he was the Larry one. Larry Flint? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, that movie. Um, so in, a, in an editorial in Spin Magazine, he defended Sinead O'Connor saying that Madonna savaged her in the press, obviously to fuel publicity for sex and the sales of her new album. But when the Sinead controversy threatened to siphon some of the attention from the release of sex, Madonna conveniently found religion again. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just so disgusting how everybody is following the money and it makes me like Sinead more, even though right, right. she's quite over the top as a shitster. At least it's coming out of honesty. Yep. Yeah. You know, and she's not going to benefit. Yeah. Um, So let's see. Uh, Okay. And and prior to all this, in 1991, Sinead O'Connor had told Spin Magazine, Madonna is probably the hugest role model for women in America. She says, there's a woman who people look up to as being a woman who campaigns for women's rights, a woman who, in an abusive way towards me, said that I look like I had a run-in with a lawnmower and that I was about as sexy as a Venetian blind. And she goes, now there's the woman that America looks up to as being a campaigner for women, slagging off another woman for not being sexy. Like, so these people... I agree, like... Yeah. People are like, okay, Madonna is this edgy, powerful woman, but they really are attaching to the kitsch of it all, and they're not seeing the bigger picture of how easily she sways to find your wallet. Yeah. And what she does, you know, because then she came out with the whole uh, song with the black Jesus where she's like doing sexual stuff with him. So she's all about. Was it like a prayer? Is that where Black Jesus was? Yes, yeah. She'll totally blaspheme to get attention. Right. You know, she. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell's going on with her now. But. And I'm not saying (laughs) she didn't pioneer a lot. She definitely did. 
Yeah. But she didn't do some of the things people thought she was accomplishing. No, I mean, to me, there's it's enough to be a dancer and a singer. You don't have to be a, a role yeah. model. For God's sake. I <laughs> just please don't. Put don't. out a good right. song for fucking hell. Okay, so um, one more that I just wanted to throw in there, person's reaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> MC Hammer. <laughs> okay, <Too> kids. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, Oh, yeah. I will well, do a TikTok teaching everyone that dance moves. Okay. Well, as the outrage against her grew, MC Hammer sent the singer a check for a first-class ticket back to Ireland. So if we look at MC Wasn't Hammer. Wasn't he bankrupt? <laughs> he that's was what bankrupt. <laughs> so... Okay, kids, so who is MC Hammer, you might ask? This is the guy who he he kind of was the first popular rapper. It wasn't gangster rap. It was a little lighter than that, and he, he shot to fame with You Can't Touch This, was, which was yeah. sampling Rip James' Super Freak. So it was palatable to the white folks and very fashion-forward. Yeah. Well, he is really well known for pants <laughs> that were inspired by harem pants, but they they were they were snug around the ankle, but there was so much fabric in the inner thighs, you could spread your legs yeah. like and, and do a split and do a crab walk and have pants. all this fabric. Yeah. yeah, they were so much more. I'm going to send I'm I'm going to give you a picture to post. Sure. And one of your legs could be purple and the other red. It was very exciting times. This was and yeah. yeah. And if you <laughs> if you put your legs up, you could sail a boat. There was so much fabric. So there was so much fabric in the middle in your inner thighs that you could <laughs> spread them apart and sail a boat. It wasn't it wasn't for comfort. It wasn't like mildly exaggerated. It was really absurd. Um, and it coined the term hammer pants. And there's an entire entry in Wikipedia for hammer pants because he started selling them. Um, and then now it's now it's getting into like one of those episodes of Mr. Show where one topic just bleeds into another one. So MC Hammer was very successful, but then he stopped focusing on family and God and focused all on the business. And that's when his bad fortune happened because he kept buying too many things and he did have financial issues. Um and then it was around that time, though, like around the 91, 92, that he went back to performing uh, with, I think, B.B. and C.C. Winans. Is that the right way uh-huh. to say their name? Yeah. Yep. And he was on their Christian songs, and he got ordained as a preacher, and he had a show on TBN, which stands for I can't remember what, but it's some kind of Christian broadcasting. The Bible Network. It's oh. not it, but it's close okay. enough. That's I don't not know. it. <laughs> so he does admit that his priorities were out of whack when his career kicked into high gear like that. And because he had actually started out um, as a rapper or a musician on the street with some other guy, and they were Christians. And so um, oh, I don't know that. that's yeah. been kind of so, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, like his downfall. You don't want to, like, beat him up too much because he mm-hmm. realizes he screwed up. And then, man, 
when he wanted to become more like the other gangsta rappers, he released mm-hmm. this horrible song <laughs> that's um. called um, um, Pumps and a Bump. And all I'm thinking of is, like, does that mean a pump of a penis into a vagina and then there's a baby bump? Or does the bump mean a butt? And all you have to do to know the answer is to look at the video, the original video, which back in the day was banned because all he was wearing was a Speedo. And he has this enormous... Well, people were very interested, so much so that they were like, nope, we're not going to show your video of you dancing around in a party in a Speedo. And so then he put clothes on. Um, So that is pretty much my telling you of what happened in 1992 with Sinead O'Connor. I think you left out my wedding that you were uh, made of honor in. One other thing is was that happening, when that folks. Happened? Yes. Is so that let me walk you through okay. that. So there was a day in 19... <laughs> okay. It was, though. Um, I think that's fascinating. I, re- I remember the Sinead O'Connor situation, but I never really remembered, you know, any of the details, so to speak. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that Lauren Michael went ahead and let it play to the West Coast. I think that's fascinating. Some of the, you know, although you and I weren't Catholic, I've been (laughs) into a lot of Catholic things recently, including I just finished listening to a podcast called Sacred Scandal. And it takes place like 2004 down in South Florida at a school and a nun was killed. It's a wild story, but it goes Uh back to exactly what we're talking about. Like, was there sexual abuse going on? So my father grew up in Cuba and he went to like um, where everyone did, went to like boarding school things. And he never experienced anything bad, but he said he remembered when the different priests or fathers would have certain boys come into their quarters, you know, their special quarters and stuff like that. That is horrible. Yeah. And like, so no one really knew and then no one knew how to say anything, but it's sort of what Sinead O'Connor did. It's sort of, um, the other person no one wanted to listen to and always wrote off Kurt Cobain's Wife who sang in Courtney Love and Hole, yeah, Courtney Love, yeah, not Garbage and Hole. Um, when Courtney Love did the joke about whatever you do, don't go to Harvey Weinstein's hotel room, and like it it was just this one off thing, everyone laughed about it, but a lot of people knew exactly what she was talking about. She was the first one to just put it out there, and Sinead O'Connor was right. She was right. And speaking of people to put it out there before anything really broke, if you go back in 30 Rock, Mm -hmm. they were making these jokes about this stuff, about there was a Weinstein joke and there was a Bill Cosby joke. And it's because it was this secret that wasn't a secret. Right, right, exactly. That everybody knew and it was just... 
I'm so excited something happened to, like, fuck those fuckers. I know. You know? And I want so many others. Like, I am yeah. so ready for all of it that's going to happen, hopefully soon. But, yeah, I have my little Tina Fey Saints candle right there. Talk about Catholic. We'll talk about 30 Rock. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. That's fascinating. But, um, I'm so... And- I'm so glad that you told me that it was during the time when you were getting married because it puts me in mind of what we were doing in life then. Because You were trying on a purple taffeta dress that I thought complimented every body type. That's what was happening. It did. And it looked nice, as your mom pointed out, with the carpet (laughs) and the pews in the church. Yep, church. Because you were talking about having green first. And it wouldn't have looked good. My God. Yeah, yeah, 92, I was also thinking, I think that's, you know, then we moved to Australia, and there wasn't much American TV. There was, like, one channel that would show reruns during the day, and I, the only thing that would come on was Young Guns, (laughs) which did not make it here. Exactly. It's like I never heard of it in America. Who did it have in it? Stephen Baldwin. It was like these three or four young cowboys that would, you know, I it don't know. It was a TV they, show? Yes. Okay. And okay. I, it could have been Josh Brolin, but. Yeah, I had to watch anything with an American accent because I was so, um, yeah, homesick. And then in the evening, uh-huh. I don't know if it started then or when, was Melrose Place. And it was very rare for <laughs> an American and Australian season to match up. Like, usually you would get it two yeah. years later or whatever. And I think that one matched up. Okay, wait. Oh, Young Guns. Oh, I think, is that a TV? There might have been a um, It was probably the TV version that it spun was. off from the film. It definitely was. And all of it was sad. But if we're just going to, or maybe it was called The Young Writers. It was The Young Writers. I'm sorry. And that's, you know, came out of the same thing. But I've just got to tell you who was in it because you will die at the photos. Um, Okay. Josh Brolin, still gorgeous, gorgeous man. Handsome. Stephen Baldwin, back then, he had long hair in his, still with his weird lips. It, it was amazing. Um, and now we know he's the Jesus freakiest of all and is Justin Bieber's father-in-law. So everything comes <laughs> down into a circle. Full circle. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, if, if people want to listen to that podcast I was just talking about, and I had just finished something else Catholic-y, and it was, oh, I watched this a while ago. It's called The Vatican Girl. That is some weird okay. ass shit there because it is about a young girl maybe in the 80s who just Mm -hmm. disappeared, and very few people live within the Vatican walls. And so her family were were workers for the Vatican. Mm -hmm. So she lived there, and she disappeared. And there's quite a few, like, was she taken just by crazy people? Was she taken by this? Or there's some church connections. There's some Mm priesty stuff. 
I want to know. I want to figure it all out. But everyone's too scared, except Miss Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there you go. Thank you for being here. And that's our show. It's a wrap. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.